0: You know, I think there has to be some, some rethinking, some challenging of assumptions that currently I think what's happening in churches. That okay, now we're, we're back in church, and then we want the people at home to be able to see what's, what's happening here, because what's happening here is the real thing. You hear me? You know, where it's just as real at home.
1: Welcome to the Faith Without Fear podcast a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Redlands, California. This podcast is hosted by Senior Pastor Sean Zambros and Associate Pastor Nick Quint. In this episode, they are joined by Dr. C. Jeff Woods, Interim General Secretary of American Baptist Churches USA, to talk about church, leadership, and the dynamics and joys of being church in a time of COVID-19. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm
0: currently serving as Interim general secretary. I've been an American Baptist all my life. I uh, was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, and my parents were attending an American Baptist church at the time. And I served as pastor of four different congregations in Indiana, and then served a role as executive minister for American Baptist Churches of Ohio. And then for the last 16 years, I've been on national staff with American Baptist.
1: And so not only are you general secretary and you've gone gotten- pastoral work, theological education, all of that, but you also have additional work in leadership uh, and kind of leadership development and stuff like that. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that because I think that gives you so much more than just being a, the- a theologian. It gives you uh, a wider, well, my the joke is you're more than a theologian. So uh, why don't you tell us about that and uh, kind of your involvement with that and your formation with that? I went to
0: college thinking I would become an actuary. And so I was a statistics major in college at Purdue University. And then about halfway through, did an interviewing program where I shadowed, met an actuary and realized that that profession was very solitary, probably wasn't for me, Hmm. and began to explore other things. And at that time, I feel like there were a number of events that happened where God called me into the ministry. I had some disillusions at the time. I remember asking my home pastor if they read much in seminary, and he assured me that they read quite a bit in seminary. So uh, the first two years, I didn't have a textbook where I was reading anything. Um, So I picked up a management major along with the statistics just to have some reading that I was doing. Uh, Went to seminary, and then out of seminary, Uh, found a program, um, actually was going to enroll in a different program and bumped, literally bumped into this person uh, that became my mentor, and he identified a program for me that picked up those same two majors uh, that I had in college. At that time, they were called Organizational Theory and Educational Inquiry Methodology. Today, we would call it Organizational Development Work and basically Research Methods. And so I have continued to use those tools. Um, The degree prepared someone to do institutional research, primarily in uh, institutions of higher education. And I use those tools of organizational theory and research methods, basically to study congregations
1: over the last 30 years. And so uh, I'd be remiss to ask about your time at Purdue and if there was a, a time where you met a certain campus minister who was at Purdue, no? There's no, no Purdue.
2: Oh. Okay. <laughs> no, our, our connection with Purdue came after, uh, I was not campus minister when Jeff was a student at Purdue. So, uh, we met professionally afterward and, uh, but, uh, there's always that loyalty. So, uh, Jeff, when I was campus minister at Purdue, Jeff would come and, uh, help out with, came a couple times, I think, and worked with our board and, uh, uh, was always a, a great resource. One time we stayed, the students uh, stayed at his house on the way to uh spring break mission trip, and so uh, he's always uh, uh, kept his loyalty to Purdue.
0: And I remember that trip. I'm still paying uh, my wife for that, because I wasn't actually there when That's all right. of those college students stayed at our house. Yeah. I said, like, guess what, honey, we have you know, a number of people are going to spend the night and um, I'm actually not going to be here this time. So,
2: um,
0: but that's not your the only time that's happened over the years. And your
2: wife went to IU, so, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, just so, to kind of submit a the problem.
2: Bit, she didn't have the same kind of loyalty to Purdue that you mm-hmm. have.
0: But, no, still doesn't, actually. He but, was mm-hmm. very
2: gracious, though. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> I remember a a retreat uh, that focused really on one of the organizational theories um, of the time. Adaptive Challenges were new, introduced by Ronald Heifetz, and that's a tool that I've used many times over the years. And was asked to do the retreat, really helping to focus and introduce that. And so we asked the group really to come up with an adaptive challenge. I still use that that one as an example today when I teach about adaptive challenges. I remember what they came up with was that um, there are really kind of two narratives going on in college. Often there are those college students who have been raised in the church and uh, want to tell others about their experience and really take the lead with other students. And there's a, another whole set of students that can be a little turned off by that. And so you really need some separate programming, and a separate approach to reach students who have not been raised in the congregation at all. So that was an adaptive challenge. You know, basically the adaptive challenge helps you name what's going on? it doesn't solve it for you, but we named it that weekend
2: well, and it seems like what we're going through now with with the, with the pandemic and moving us into uh, forcing us into doing uh, church in so many different ways, um, this must be i mean talk about adaptive challenge. I think maybe the the next adaptive challenge though is as we pass through this season, uh, what is church going to look like after this? Uh, what, what, are you th- what are you thinking these days?
0: Yeah, I think there are several adaptive challenges. Um, it, it, one of the words that goes side by side along with adaptive challenges and something that I've studied heavily for about the last five or six years is disruption. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in terms of tracing a little bit of my work, uh, with organizational theory and the church. Um, I published a book back in 1996 called Congregational Megatrends that did quite well, and it talked about shifts in the church uh, from one form of worship to another and discipleship and all of those marks. And over the years then have looked at different perspectives, several different lenses um, of organizational theory. Um, I was on a research team of the largest survey that was done of congregations in the U.S., and we came up with 10 marks of a healthy church, all research-based, and then played around with a life cycle you know, of organizations for a while. Um, but about five years ago, I realized that all of these tools really assume that there's already a spark in the church that just needs to be fanned and inflamed and, 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 and grown. And I began to wonder, how does that spark get there. So did some study in the New Testament and realized there are two primary ways where the spark gets there. Uh, One is by faith, where people come to Jesus and almost every single time Jesus praises their faith. And I just hadn't caught um, the frequency of that comment. The other way though is really disruption. Um, I began to see how every single encounter of, of Jesus with someone else beginning with with the first american baptist john the baptist you know and then jesus asking you know john to baptize him and just turned his world upside down you know and looked at john the baptist for a while and just eating with sinners and a tax collector and healing on the sabbath refusing to wash his hands it wasn't COVID, but he refused to wash his hands you know that one time and ransacking the temple and just every single encounter, you know, Jesus disrupted life and and disruption then is such a key to uh, renewal. So I feel like one of the most important things the church can do right now is to capitalize on the d- disruption that is in front of us. I certainly am not claiming that Jesus, you know, is the source or God is in any way the source of COVID-19 but we do serve a God who knows how to bring good out of bad, who knows how to work with disruption. And that's where I feel like probably the church needs to go right now is, you know, all those complaints that we've had before of, I just can't get my church to do anything differently. Well, right now the church isn't doing anything the same. Um, Yeah. So, so that sense of, um, Disruption is a challenge, but it's also the source of uh, of the spark in front of us to give us permission to create the space to do new things.
2: Yeah, I can see um, how it would be a tendency, though, for people to say, "Oh, I can't wait to get back to how we used to do it, how we used to, uh, you know, how it used to be, you know, get back to normal." And uh, I mean, I, I don't think I've made it a, a secret that I, I hope we don't go back to normal. You know, I hope that we do use what we've learned during this time and, and some of the tools that we've gained and insights and, and all of that to go back to something that uh, that's or at least enter into something that's new. I don't know that it's going back because, you know, we've, we've been moving forward during this time, even though it doesn't. Feel like it as we all sit in our houses looking at
0: screens, you know. I agree 100%, John, that we probably ought to just give up that word normal. I don't even like the phrase the new normal. I just feel like it tries to stabilize things that should not be stabilized at this Uh point. And I feel like, you know, a month or two after COVID hit, we were just wondering, can we do Easter, you know, without gathering together? And then there was this applause. And we patted ourselves on the back and thinking, yeah, and in June, this is over. Uh-huh. And, and it wasn't. It's not. And so just the opportunities keep coming. And there were so many churches, though, that if you would have told them in two weeks, you have to learn how to do an online service, you know, stream or, or YouTube or something, they would have just laughed, you know, or, uh-huh. or refused. And yet they did it. And so now let's build on that momentum and say, okay, what's the next thing? And, and I guess that one of the things that I see on the horizon for congregations right now is just launching small groups. I just feel like that is a real opportunity right now. Um, so many of our congregations have increased in attendance. Now, some of those people may be on there for three and a half minutes or six and a half minutes, mm-hmm. but they're connecting. Right. And so right up front, you know, at the beginning of, of, of the worship, in my mind, there ought to be some sense of we're glad everyone's here today. We really want to connect with you. We have a, a couple of new groups forming that are just for new timers. You know, no no members allowed, um, you know, just, you know, because people are so much more comfortable. Um coming into something new if there's new people, if they're surrounded by new people. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe maybe up front, uh, I think there's another whole group that are not quite as intimidated, but don't know how to step in the water, don't know how to put their foot in the water. And so just saying, you know, we're doing so many things with technology. If you're out there and you have any skill at all in technology, or, or a son or a daughter, you know, or a grandson or, you know, somebody, we need help, you know, please contact, just, you know, try to make it easy for people either to become a part of a small group or, or to help and to really capture. I mean, the, the, the most similar circumstance I can think of in the past several years are the Burmese, you know, to me, that was such um, a gift that many people had, you know, congregations have been praying for young people, and then all of a sudden 50 and 100, you know, show of it, but their doorstep on many of our congregations. Um, some did that very well, some did not. And I think the same thing is going to happen here, where some really reach out to and, and help meet some of the needs of these people who are seeking or just are uh, just attending out of curiosity. But I think that's a huge opportunity right now.
2: Yeah, we had a we have a situation where, you know, we've got a handful of students that have graduated to go and and they're going off to college this fall. And some of them are staying home because uh, their schooling is online and others have actually gone away, gone to college. And it was kind of a fluky thing, but we ended up saying, well, gee, we could start a Bible study for this age group. And we've we've been trying to do stuff, getting it off the ground for college age students for some time and uh, it just really hasn't come together. and. Then we said, okay, we'll, live, we'll do this, and we wrangled uh, a few. And, and sometimes, uh, and, and they're meeting, they're meeting online uh, once a week now to study the Bible together, and we've got, you know, some weeks it'll be two, and, and other weeks it'll be a half dozen, but altogether, I would guess there, you know, there may be eight of them that are uh, now, say, they would identify as they're part of that group, and we're able to do it, and they're in different parts of the country. Uh, so when, would it, when have we ever been this good at staying connected with our college students who have gone away to college? So, you know, that's one of the things that maybe kind of like what you're talking about, these uh, small groups that uh, are getting formed. And, and then other people that – we lost one Sunday school class. All the rest of our Sunday school classes very quickly went uh, online to Zoom. We lost – and it was the one class most of our classes are not age specific but it was one that tended to be more the uh older folks uh and they they didn't make it now they still continue to communicate by email uh but they're not meeting uh regularly uh for study but a bunch of them after they realized this is not going to end for a while they've gotten brave and some of them who don't even have computers are calling in on uh, through zoom on their landlines and they've joined other Sunday school classes or other Bible study groups. So we've even gotten all these different people that have ventured out to uh, well, okay, my group's not meeting. I'm going to try another one. And um, and it's enhanced the groups that they've joined because you know, they bring with them uh, maybe a little more wisdom and a little more life experience uh, than the others that are already in that group. And so it's, that part has been kind of fun too, to watch some of the older, absolutely non-technical people figure out, well, I can do something with my phone and still be a part of things. And uh, so those, those kinds of things are really great. And, and how do we how do we bring that then as as things continue to change and at some point we are able to use our buildings again and that's another question too how are we going to use our buildings now that we know that we can have church for this many months without it
0: yeah um i want to go back to the groups though just for a second just to say yeah. my sister started a a group um that's become a bible study but it was out of a neighborhood group uh-huh. like a neighborhood watch type group. And a couple of people were talking about things related to COVID. And then all of a sudden, someone mentioned something about God. And the next thing you know, they're talking about God in this neighborhood group. So I also wanted to realize, though, that there are probably lots of these groups out there that have no connection to a church mm-hmm. right now. I mean, my sister's connected to a church, but but it's not like her church really knows about this other group. Yeah, And I think there's a lot of those out there also that you know part of, of moving forward is really just to keep our eyes and ears open about you know what else is happening out there. But you mentioned the, the church building. I think that's another real opportunity. Uh, one of the conversations that we've had and you know that since 2013 we've been having Um, mission summit conversations, we call them, but conversations around difficult topics or challenging topics at our biennial. And then many of our regions have adopted that. So we have lots of guides how to have uh, difficult conversations. And one of the groups that formed was how to be church without a building, you know, several years ago. Now they didn't do a whole lot with that. um, (laughs) But my hunch is there could be a lot of those groups right now. I mean, when you think about the expense of a building, and that's not a necessity in terms of biblical uh, times or, or how the church got started, think of all the churches and the things that they could do if they really start thinking apart from that at this point.
2: hmm Yeah. And I, I'm thinking creatively of how we can use, uh, use our building.
0: Yes, I'm not, certainly not telling people to give up your building, no, but, you know, yeah. um, but there are many though that have really struggled with that, mm-hmm. that you know, clearly, you know, the buildings outgrown them, you know, that, that they just don't fit anymore. And I think it's an opportunity for some of those people just to be church mm-hmm. online. And, and there could be a church like that in New England and the pastor could be in California. That's
2: right. Yeah.
0: There are those possibilities as well that yeah. I'm just not sure we've even scratched the surface at this uh-huh. point. Um, but yeah, how how is the building going to be used? And to me, um, I think probably the design of buildings has driven function. And so maybe, you know, back to my organizational theory, you know, Um, form ought to follow function rather than the other way around uh, from alfred chandler years ago Um, and so what if we said you know what does the church need to do right now and then how can the building serve that
2: Uh Uh rather
0: than the other way around of us just saying okay yeah here's a sanctuary and here's a classroom and but you know what what's the church how is the church making masks for people and meeting needs of, of the homeless and bringing people together for a, a sense of community. And then how can the building serve those purposes?
2: Yeah. Well, and my hope is that that people who are who in the past have had a hard time seeing beyond the traditional ways that we've used the church will now be a little more flexible and uh, we'll see that, Oh uh, well, yeah, I guess we could, we could use this room for this, or what about that? And I mean, even just this weekend to know that if we needed to offer a place for people to stay, if they're evacuated, and we did have one family stay at the church overnight, one night this weekend, because of uh, being evacuated for the fires, you know, so can our church become that kind of refuge to people in the community in all different kinds of ways, not just in, in, well, maybe in an emergency, but in in other ways too. thinking beyond what we've always done.
0: I wonder about office space. Um, Uh So many people are working out of their home right now that really don't have the space for that and just need a quiet, place where they have six kids, you know, running around. And sometime I'm on a big conference call and I say, you know, if there are birds flying in the background, kids flying in the background, you know, that's fine. No expected, you know, it's all changed with COVID in terms of the background. But I bet there's a lot of people that would love just a couple of hours, you know, though to have a conference call that's not interrupted or, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, or a delicate conversation with someone in some yeah. private space, the yeah. church could do that. You know, again just letting letting the need drive uh, the use of the space
2: yeah beginning to ask those questions um, uh, and listening uh, going back to the whole adaptive challenge idea going back and, and really listening to what's going on around us and and thinking differently you know or, and and experimenting right
0: right yeah thank you Sean, for that too just just listening observing that's really. If a person doesn 't have an, an adaptive challenge fall in their lap that 's really how you start it 's just walking the neighborhood or or listening, trying to discern seeing new things that are going on in the community. What if in your church, you brought a group of eight or ten of the most creative people that you have in your church it 's not a committee and they have no power, so you know get rid of that at the beginning so it 's not a threat and just said every week we i 'm going to ask each of you. To, to find something new that's going on in the world right now. And then let's talk about it.
2: Oh, that's you know? really fun. Yeah. yeah
0: I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's a, they could be, could be listening to a podcast or they could be watching the news or they could be reading an old-fashioned uh, paper and bound book, you know, but that they have one new idea, you know, and then just see where God takes that group. Every church could be doing that right now.
2: The new idea group, huh? Mm -hmm. that's a great idea. I love it.
1: Yeah. And in addition to all of that, there, there's also something I I think we've also been able to see there's a sense in which folks that were uh, bedridden or, or something like that uh, weren't able to attend church, but now because everything's gone online, Uh, they're able to participate fully in ways they haven't been maybe for years, or, you know, they get to visualize it, you know, instead of listening to it, which is a whole different experience as it relates to worship. And there's this, I don't know, it's, it's one of those things. Like I I had a friend talking about trying to do church with, I don't know if you guys have seen these VR things where it's like virtual reality. It basically, and he tried a worship service like that. And he said it was very weird, but it was one of those just kind of things. I'm sitting there, I'm like VR worship in a year or two years or even tomorrow i don't know but it's just one of those things we're seeing technology just kind of sweeping in and a lot of people i think are rightly skeptical you know there's nothing wrong in being skeptical but if you've got you know a million dollars dropped in your lap you don't just let it sit there you do stuff with it you know you give money to homeless people you invest in buildings or you invest in this or you buy people food you know and it's one of those things this going to back to what you all were saying about um there's a sense of curiosity that the church is kind of now beginning, I think, to reclaim. Where do we go? And work And I think uh, Pastor Sean has made this point numerous times. And I think it's just wonderful. Is there's no such thing as failure when you're learning and trying new things that are just right in front of you. And I think the church, it's kind of one of those things. They're scared of failing, but it's like, no, you're not failing at this point. We're we're learning and we're adapting. We're changing and we're moving as best as we can, stumbling perhaps a bit uh, with the spirit. And this is a a time of, of that, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of.
0: Nick, you mentioned the homebound person that um, brings back an idea that just surfaced in in a phone call a couple of weeks ago about including, I mean, certainly what you said, and we did some survey work and three fourths of the congregate American Baptist congregations that are doing online want to continue for the foreseeable future. And even after things you know, quote return or whatever, but but something surfaced a couple of weeks ago that was really helpful. I mean, so that homebound person now could lead the litany.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, that that homebound person you know could could lead in prayer or mm-hmm. even you know bless the elements or you know that with YouTube you know a youth a youth or somebody or a relative you know keep it safe you know but but somebody if the person needs help could could video that person, you know, and then that person could be brought into the life of worship and there could be, you know, cameras positioned around, not just, you know, I think there has to be some, some rethinking, some challenging of assumptions that currently I think what's happening in church is that, okay, now we're, we're back in church and then we want the people at home to be able to see what's, what's happening here, because what's happening here is the real thing. You hear me? you know, where it's just as real at home. So how can we have, you know, video and cameras of the people that are now in the building watching the people at home as a part of the service, just continuing to make it, you know, a two-way street and saying that your, your experience in your pajamas, in your easy chair is just as valid
1: mm-hmm. a
0: spiritual experience as you know, the person wearing the tie here. You know, oh, nobody wears a tie in California. Sorry, I forgot about that. But, uh, we, Hawaiian
1: shirts yeah. are our dress up. Okay, right. I forgot where I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that brought up something really interesting. Uh, they mentioned, uh, and I jotted it down. It changed because I was, I, at least I'm under the impression, I could be wrong, but when you moved somewhere else, you kind of took your church membership and you applied somewhere else for a local church if you move out of state. Well, with tech and everything, you don't have to do that. You can remain just, I mean, just as grounded, if not more so, in the community of faith where you're at. And so someone, I mean, we have, uh, I mean, I, I can't, I mean, the possibilities even for church membership or being involved in the local church are are endless at that point because you you don't just, I'm moving to, I don't know, Texas, and I got to find a new Baptist church or American Baptist church in Texas. Like, well, not necessarily, maybe. But uh, with tech and stuff, you, it's now a viable option to remain in community with your your same church. Absolutely, and
0: I just thought of, you made me think of Snowbird. So one of the I serve all wonderful <laughs> congregations. All four of them put up, you know, with me as the pastor. But one one of those congreg- congregations was, um, if you know the movie Hoosiers, um, uh, that of it, yeah. this was the community upon which that was based that I pastored in that community, you know, not a week went by and they didn't talk about that championship in 1954. Um, Milan? Yes, Milan, Indiana. And uh, so then there were a third of the congregation went to Florida for the winter. I mean, it really, you know, took a hole. So I took a vacation to Florida for a week and just saw, you know, the people. I got back and they said, that's not vacation. You, know, you you were visiting, I mean, it, it just begins to tap the surface, I think, Nick, of what you were saying, you know, but I had to physically drive to see them, those snowbirds now think of the, yeah, the continued sense of community and interaction and being a part of that weekly small group, Sean, you know, okay. that all of those have started, I, and maybe you don't have snowbirds there, but is there any form of that where people or maybe certain seasons of the year where people are gone a little bit more and can connect virtually?
2: Yeah. Well, we, um, yeah, we don't really have snowbirds like, like I experienced when uh, in in the church where I was a member in Indiana, but um, summer changes for us. And the interesting thing about this whole COVID thing is that normally we wouldn't have Sunday school during the summer. And most of our Sunday school classes continued during this past summer because, well, part of it is, well, nobody's doing anything anyway. But it was also another way to stay connected because we weren't able to see each other in in worship physically. Some of our summer activities like, you know, barbecues and more social activities, we really weren't able to do in the same way. So, you know, we had these Sunday school classes that just said, well, we might as well just keep going. And they went all summer so i don't know what that will mean for next summer that will that will be very interesting to see if people want to say you know well gee we we liked doing this last summer we'll just keep doing it this summer it may change the whole schedule of how we do things i don't know but
0: i'm able to hear you know two or three sermons a sunday you know most sundays or worship services or you know catch a portion of those and one of the one that i attend on a regular basis. Um, is the church where Kenny and I were married. And now my daughter married a person in that community and they're attending that same church. Um, And occasionally, I mean, again, as you talk, I just think of these, I hear my grandchild disrupt the service, you know, who's, who's a year old, (laughs) but you know, and everyone else, I'm sure that's creating havoc. You know, for me, it's the most joyful sound in the world. Um, But again, I'm hearing that virtually I'm feeling connected they have an incredible pastor but just that sense of history and community and you know I just have this warm feeling when I'm able to log on to that particular service and some some other services of places that have been special to me and that's that's a brand new opportunity we really we were not doing that six months ago
2: yeah well and another thing that we've done and I look forward to doing even more is connecting with our global servants And um, we had one Sunday where uh, we've been doing our music by uh, GarageBand, you know, so everybody records their line and then it all gets edited together.
0: Oh, wow. And
2: So we uh, picked a song in Spanish and we connected with uh, all of, uh, not all, but a good number of the global servants that have a connection to our church who are serving in Spanish speaking places. They all sang a song together. And, you know, they were in different parts of the country. I think all of them were at the time in the country. Uh, I'm not sure that any of them were out of country because they're all, a lot of them are home because of COVID. Then we had another missionary read the scripture and none of them are here in California. You know, they're in all in other places. And so we had one worship service where we had, it wasn't, it was a week after Pentecost, but the passage we were looking at was in Acts about you shall be my witnesses the first chapter of Acts, and so, uh, so here we had these global servants that were part of our worship service, and you know they all did it from their house, and it was all pre-recorded, but but it was really really special. And then the even the the ones who sang, they sang with members of our congregation too, so it wasn't just the missionaries singing, but it was um, you know some people from our congregation were also singing. So it was this you know this band that was made up of, of global servants who, were, who recorded it from all over the country.
0: Yeah, normally I'll speak at three or four regional annual meetings a year, and I'm at 11 right now. You know, some mm-hmm. of those are just greetings. You know, some they have a theme, and, you know, and then a few are, you know, doing a keynote or something. But, yeah, I mean, th- that brings up something we haven't talked about that I think we have to be aware of is the need to take care of ourselves differently as well. Wow. Um, yeah. The the accessibility, the virtuality of what we're doing. You know, I used to work at home and now I live where I work, you know, is what some people are saying that, you know, we can joke about that, but there really is a need to find new ways to renew and replenish and mm-hmm. find quiet time and take care of ourselves yeah. Even amidst all the the great opportunities that are out there.
2: Right. I, I know for me, it took weeks and weeks and weeks to figure out how to have a day off. And, you know, I... So
0: how did you figure it out?
2: Well, I had to get used to the new schedule because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not preaching my sermon on Sunday anymore. And and so part of it was getting used to that new schedule. Plus, uh, in our house, uh, a lot of the technology is happening here with my son and my husband. Are doing a lot of the technology, so Saturdays are are crazy in our house. Trying to get everything posted on YouTube uh, in time for Sunday, and and stuff like that. So so part of it was getting the uh, figuring out the new pattern because the new the the new pattern was completely different. So uh, that changed the day that I took off. And um, so that was one of it. And then I just had to just say to myself, today's my day off, so I might not go anywhere, but <laughs> but I'm not going to turn on the computer and I'm not going to check my email and and that, and that kind of thing. I'm not going to work on anything. So I, I just had to kind of like decide this is my day off and this is what I'll do today and what I won't do today, and then try and get out. Sometimes you know try and go somewhere. But that doesn't always happen. Maybe you read a novel or something like that.
0: I appreciate that. I'll I'll share that if that's okay. I mean, I love the idea just about recognizing the different pattern and then, yeah, how does the Sabbath now fit into the new pattern that we?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also means Sunday's different for me. You know, Sunday's a lot more relaxing. Get I I do um connect with some of the small groups that meet on Sunday, so. You know, so I'm doing that and then, you know, go in and grab a cup of coffee and turn on the TV and watch worship mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, stuff like that. So Sunday does feel a little bit different. It's a little more, re like I say, a- relaxing. I-, I try not to do it in my pajamas, but, you know, I have. I admit it. I've done it a couple of times in my pajamas.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The new rhythms. Yeah. That's I think that's a place to... To explore because I'm starting to hear that. I mean, we, we talked that we thought this would be over, and uh, in June, it's not. You know, in the beginning, I think we were all running on adrenaline for about yeah. six weeks, and then then we're not. Then there was this lull. Now, when, with fall, I'm starting to sense kind of this renewed sense of excitement among many pastors. I mean, still the need to take care of ourselves, still the need to be careful, um, but yeah, a bit of okay. Yeah, there are many opportunities here, as there are challenges at this right. point, and that can energize us as we think right. about the future.
2: But we're also dealing with people who are saying, uh, "Okay, we're tired of this. When are we going to be back together? When are you know When are we going to be back physically together? When can we start having services back at the church? And can we look at doing it in October?" And I'm going, "I I don't know. You know, according to our county, we're not. We can do things outside in our county, but we can't do things inside." You know, I don't know when that's going to change. Uh, we can maybe guess, but, <laughs> you know, we don't know. So so there is kind of a restlessness among, uh, among people too that, okay, uh, are we going to do, when are we going to do something different? And then you've got the other people who are saying, oh, we're so thankful that you're being careful. So it's always dealing with that and um, kind of feeling half blind too, because you're not physically and you're not... There is a vibe that you uh, that you get when you're physically together with people in in different gatherings that you can pick up a little bit on Zoom, but um, it, it it you do feel like it's a, you're kind of uh, partially blind in this, and so you know you hear rumblings, but yeah,
0: yeah. One of the questions that we asked in the ABC Congregational Survey was, "What do you miss the most?" You know, is it is it hearing a sermon? Is it singing together? Is it uh, doing mission together and it was this sense of community that people mm-hmm. said they miss the most and i'm not sure we can nail that down but i've started just to ask people when i hear that and and what does community mean to you you know and there often is a long pause but at least there's some pondering maybe now ahead and to me that's maybe an adaptive challenge you know how do you create more of a sense of community because I think we've, we've learned how to do several of the other technical things, but you're right. That, that, that's still elusive Mm -hmm. to us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have heard several people though, who, who have said that they have gotten to know each other better through these various zoom Sunday school classes. People have been in Sunday school together for years and years feel like in this time they've gotten to know each other better on Zoom. And I think part of it is that they actually are more consistent uh, in, in being there together. They don't, you know, uh, if uh, Sunday morning they sleep in, you know, they don't make it to Sunday school. But a lot of these people have been more consistent. But they say that their conversations are have, have gone a little bit deeper. And, and I don't know what that is, if it's less distractions because you're actually you know, all focused on everybody on the screen or uh I don't know what exactly, but but I have heard that too, that there are some people that really feel like they've gotten to know each other better um since we've been doing this format. So who knows? It it I it is kind of elusive. I think people miss hugging each other and touching each other and and we're gonna be back together and we still can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean even if we're physically present with one another, you know, you're kind of like do the air hugs kind of
0: thing but yeah I'm not sure we can answer what community is at this point I agree with you in terms of getting to know one another and conversations going going deeper when we've been having weekly executive minister phone calls since the onset of COVID every Tuesday at 3 p.m. and it was interesting we had been meeting for a while and then when protests and racial justice issues uh, surfaced more dramatically, I feel like we were able to have better conversations about that because we had been having weekly conversations for a while about other things. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I think there definitely is that sense of the frequency and, and depth. I'm just saying I still think though there's something community wise that's just not quite there even with that.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, there is something about being physically present that you just can't replace. Yeah,
1: it might be, at least in, uh, and that's something I've been wondering, too, is um, it may not be what we want, but it is enough. You know, kind of what we what we're going through. It's like, we may not be able to gather together physically, hug, high five, all that technology and all that stuff has given us enough. Is it The superabundance that we would want that church is or at least you know church in the sense of going to a building being time no but um and i think maybe we're beginning to all kind of realize enough is good doesn't mean you stop at enough but enough as what we have right now is also good and uh, we also have i think the blessing and and the joy of being curious about now what can we do beyond what is enough what can we do more and kind of build upon that. So I think going back to both what you uh, both of you were saying where it's not normal, which we can't speak of the new normal or normal, but we can speak about um, what we can do, and um, what we can develop together. And if community is a group of people bound together by their love of one another and love for Jesus, then maybe that's a way of kind of reorientating ourselves and thinking afresh about things and not being afraid. Just being like, well, we're here and we're together.
2: Yeah, and in, in figuring out how to do church, we maybe are figuring out how to be church. That will and that will be something that will continue on as we continue to, you know, go into the future, whatever that
1: looks like. Yeah. What is it? the The church is a, a people, not a steeple. Although I do like our steeple at church quite a bit, and I do miss meeting under the steeple. But maybe we're all recognizing that no, nope, we're people. It's not we're not demarcated by by the steeple, but we we do like the steeple a bit. Thank you for listening to the Faith Without Fear podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Redlands, California. Our music was composed and written by Garrett Zambrose. If you are looking for a church home, we encourage you to browse our website at www.fbcredlands.org where you'll find our sermon series and links to our YouTube channel.